0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, Jack White of Turbulence, alongside my partner in crime, George Shalloway. We are back on another week on the airwaves for some more Terrapin talk and seeing what's going around town in College Park. George, you know, what the hot topic right now for sure, for sure, is the Northwestern win over the Maryland Terrapins. What do you think? I would just want to get your initial thoughts, your opening thoughts on what you think went wrong there.
1: Well, it was disappointing. Uh, You know, all good win streaks eventually have to come to a close. So Maryland's hot streak of Minnesota and Nebraska and that big win over Michigan State, unfortunately ended in Evanston uh, against the Wildcats. But, you know, we got another chance to to get back in the win column against Penn State. And and that'll be, you know, the catalyst into the postseason, be it the Big Ten tournament and then again into – the big dance in the March Madness. So we'll we'll dive into it in a little bit, but it was definitely a tough pill to swallow, especially after such a hot start. You know, nine-nothing run to start the game. I was definitely expecting them to hold on to that lead. Unfortunately, you know, it didn't happen that way, but we'll talk a little bit more about it later.
0: Yeah, as you said, you know, we'll get into it in a minute. But first, let's get into our terrapin trivia. George, I got an interesting one. We're gonna Head into the time capsule this week, go a little back in Maryland football history and see what we got here. So, George, open up your ears. Which former player, coach and university president gave his name to Maryland's football stadium? Now, if you have an initial thought, answer, feel free to blurt it out now or I can give you the rest of the show to figure it out.
1: I have a thought going through my head, but I would like to take the rest of the, the show and think about it and let the other the other listeners think as well.
0: Feel free, feel free. All right, so let's dive on in to what's new in Terp Town. So just recently, the Maryland Terrapins, they did beat Northwestern. However, the Wildcats gave them a run for their money for sure. They had a 12-point win. While that does sound good, but the Wildcats only hold, held the Terps, excuse me, the 62 points. And Maryland leads the country in points per game at 92.4. So definitely the Wildcats brought out their defense last week. And just recently, most recently, the Terps knocked off their Big Ten rival on the road, the Michigan Wolverines, by a large, large double-digit win. So that's a huge Big Ten win as the Terps move to 20-2 overall on this incredible season in which a lot of Terps fans and media – had a lot of doubts, although they still had coach free, they lost a lot of seniors and there were going to be a lot of young players that needed to step up And George. They have Macy Onis got the number two recruit in the nation. Angel Reese, Diamond Miller has stepped up. Talk about Ashley Owosu doing a phenomenal job and the depth for this team is fantastic as well. What do you think for the most part has given the Terps so much success this season?
1: Well, it's their offensive firepower. No one can come close. As you said, they lead not just the Big Ten, but the entire NCAA in points per game, which if you can score more than your opponent, you're going to win every time. And when you're scoring or averaging, you know, 92 points a game and some change, you're going to win a lot of basketball games, especially because they've they've done the things that they really have to do, which is play unselfishly for, a, for you know, five starters that, that play. And they have a, a very deep bench that actually play significant minutes and are able to rest the starters it's really important you know because if you think about it sure you know you know you have katie Benson that can specialize as a three point shooter then you know you can have your you know your big with chloe bibby also step out onto the perimeter and still knock down the same shot that, that katie would make so this team is really dynamic and the fact that they don't play exactly conventionally if you think about it because anyone on the team can make any shot that they need to make you can see ashley wozo make a shot from the perimeter you can see her drive and finish at the in the lane Uh, you can see you know mimi collins pull up for her mid-range game and at the same time she can also finish and make and one plays when you have angel reese who's coming back from her ankle injury and the foot that you know happened really early on in the season we haven't really able to, to see her full potential yet because it's still so early and she's just becoming to you know play meaningful minutes again in big 10 conference play so this team has a lot that they still can live up to i still think that if they you know if they beat penn state uh, tomorrow they'll be able to then win the big 10 regular season outright they've already solidified the number one seed in the big 10 tournament if they can finish and handle their business of winning that tournament out like they really should. I see no doubt that they could become a number one seed in the tournament at all. I think that's very, very doable for them, especially if they have dominant wins like they did to beat the number 12 Michigan Wolverines up in the Chrysler center, like they did this week. If they can do that in the tournament on national television and let the, you know, the seeding committee see them play the way that they can play, it'll be tough for them to put them as a two seed when they are very capable of being a one seed.
0: And earlier, you mentioned Katie Benson. She just adds, you know, a cherry on top of the cake. The national leader in a three point field goal percentage at five ninety four uh, for the Maryland Terrapins. Not to mention, you also have that balance and leadership ability in Chloe Bibby, graduate transfer from Mississippi State, who has appeared in a Final Four before. So, hint, hint. Let's see if Maryland can get back to that place this year. And want to give a shout-out definitely to Coach Brenda Fries, who has been nominated as one of this year's Naismith Coach of the Year Awards. So Coach Fries actually, she does obviously have incredible accolades throughout her entire coaching career for the Maryland Terrapins. But in um, 2002, when she came to Maryland, she was named Associate Press National Coach of the Year. So this is nothing new to her, not in any new territory. So it will be interesting to see who, if she will win or not, that is way down the road. And I can assure you, she probably cares way more about winning a national championship, but I've said this to many people. I've even said this to myself. I'm very, very excited for March madness for the woman because they're, they're scary. They are really scary. But, George, I want to get your thoughts a little bit because, you know, I have my own thoughts and theories on this. And I, I just – I don't think necessarily the committee, the NCAA, does a great job in scheduling. This year, it's definitely circumstantial with COVID. There's not there, – you've got, you got to put some boundaries on the schedule um, to limit traveling for all student athletes. However, I, I mean, Maryland has not seen teams like Stanford and, you know, Carolina – South Carolina, to be more specific, and Baylor, um, and UConn. They haven't seen those cal- those type of as teams, and some of the best players in the country are on those teams. Do you think Maryland has the firepower based on their two losses, which is a very small sample size? Even some of their wins this year haven't been done in the prettiest of fashion, but do you think they have the firepower, the experience, and the ability – to perform up to their opponent when it comes to a win or go home scenario in March Madness.
1: Yes, I do. For the fact that we have senior leadership on this team, Chloe Bibby has been to the final four. She can relate her experience to some of the younger players on the team. Katie Benson's a, a, you know, a senior transfer. Uh, Even though she played in a smaller conference, nonetheless, she still has four years of playing under her belt, you know, at Ashley lose to Diamond Miller, they were on the team last year when they won the Big Ten uh, tournament. They have the ability to, to go through winning stretches and to use that previous experience going forward. I do think that, as you said, they haven't played those powerhouses, but they did lose to Ohio State in a very close game uh, as their only Big Ten loss. And since then, you know, they haven't lost in any way. They've been dominant in all their games for the most part. And I, I really don't think that, that, you know, early loss in that tournament down at, at, you know, Florida Gulf Coast by any means is representative of this team now. They, they finally put it together. And also, like, like we've been talking about for the last, you know, couple episodes and, and even back into 2020 – this team has meshed so well together and they have such great chemistry that they play unselfishly that they don't care about, you know, how, Oh, how do I play? It's not about the I. It's about the, we, in this team. I know it's cliche, but it's true. They, they they're very, you know, a sister given all the time. It's not like it's a, I'm not going to pass ball hog scenario. of If I don't play well, this team's going to lose. This team has too many weapons to do that. They they're the number one scoring team in the nation. And for that reason, even if they're having an off day, they're still going to put up points. And that sometimes, sometimes you know, the best defense is a good offense. And Maryland definitely has a good offense.
0: Oh, they're, in, I mean, they're representative of that. And they've shown that throughout the entire season. And, you know, as we kind of, um, you know, reference to back in 2020, if I remember, you know, I remember we did all of our season predictions. I did not have this team. Doing that. Well, I think I had them winning around 1415 games, maybe not even and they have proven me wrong. And I love to see it. And you know, I also, you know, don't want to get into a too sensitive area here. But I love kind of that a, uh, a woman's team is kind of the highlight of Terrapin sports right now. They really are not to mention, you know, obviously, the fall sports have just kind of kicked off. They're not really in full swing yet, obviously. But The men's team is kind of, you know, you know, bullying their way, trying to wrestle their way into March Madness. They haven't had um, the most consistent of seasons. Um, It's been up and down, but the women have been cruising and they have been winning games. They have been dominating games throughout the entire season. And their two losses, you know, George, you mentioned Florida Gulf Coast very beginning of the season. It was the first game of the season. Down in Florida, and then they played Ohio State. That was a two-point loss in the shoe. So, you know, it was, it was really, it was really tough. It was really a tough loss. But the bottom line is this team has been highlighting. They are all over the media in Turptown and College Park, and they're making noise. And I would not be surprised if Coach Freeze sees herself and gets these players to another Final Four this season. But now the r- question that remains. Will the Maryland Terrapin men's basketball team, will they even get in? As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, that tough, tough, heartbreaking loss to Northwestern, they were able to cut it and tie the game at 54 with approximately two minutes left in the game. And then Northwestern went on a six-to-one run, and the Maryland Terrapins had no choice but to play the foul game toward the end. They weren't making free throws, and that's all she wrote in the Wildcats jumped up to an eight and 14 record with the win and the Maryland Terrapins dropped to 15 and 11. So the bottom line is right now, they, they are predicted to get in. I think the big 10 tournament is going to be a huge factor for this team. Um, I'm really, 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 really psyched and uh, intrigued to see how those standings are going to fall and who they're going to be playing in the first round but you got to take care of business right now. Like the women, the men also conclude their season on Sunday at home against Penn state. Um, That is definitely without a doubt, a winnable game. I see this team um, coming off of uh, four wins um, going into Northwestern. They're hungry. They want to end the season on a good note. And to do that, you got to come out and you got to come out with firepower. You, You have a defensive player of the year nominee on your team. Someone like him, speaking about Daryl Morcell here, he should be able to come out, fire up his players in a leadership role. Guys like Eric Ayala, Dante Scott, these guys got to be fired up. They got to come out and they got to perform on the highest level. No game anymore is a regular season game. Everything, everything matters. You got to throw stats out the window. I don't care about stats anymore. They don't mean anything to me. They shouldn't mean anything to the players and coaches. You got to come out and you got to play with heart because that's what's going to win you games this time of year. You could go back to so many clips in March of college basketball and see all the games won. You see them won on the silliest, luckiest, craziest, flukiest of plays. They don't win. It's it's not victory because of skill. It's hard. That's all it is. It's mental. It's a mental game. So I think the Terps, they're in a good position right now. They're in a good position. But what they need to do, they need to be able to hit peak mode after a potential win against Penn state. And they need to start flying into the big 10 tournament with hunger and drive to get in a good position in March, because just last week they were one of the teams in the first four in right now, the standings haven't been updated. They haven't come out. So it's going to be interested to see where they'll be um, as the regular season concludes. But, you know, George, I want to get your thoughts kind of on the topic and where you see this team in about a week.
1: Well, like we talked about in the beginning it was definitely a very ugly loss to Northwestern. They got off to a nine, nothing run to start the game. And I was thinking it was going to be, you know, a, an easy walk in the park turned out to be a walk in Chicago in the wintertime when, you know, it's cold and, you know, the team couldn't hit anything and they, they got cold. That was hence the pun, but it was really disappointing. You know, the whole team was relying on, you know, Mr. Wiggins and Mr. morsel like, the last few games have always been, and if if it's not them, who is going to be that third guy to really step up? Sometimes it's been Eric Ayala when he steps up, the team does well. When Dante Scott steps up, the team do you know does well. But when they don't have anyone else to to score, it makes it very difficult. There's been virtually no bench to help the starters out. You know, Jarius Hamilton comes off and can sometimes you know knock down a three here or there. He's been all right. Reese Mona comes in a lot as an energizer player, but he doesn't score I, I wouldn't really call him a playmaker no the he bench he doesn't do much
0: it needs to be better if Maryland wants to be a consistent nationally ranked team in one of the toughest conferences probably referring to this year specifically the toughest conference in college basketball one of the most competitive conferences you you got to have depth you got to have guys that can come off the bench and score and play at a high level. And you, you, they got to compete, and they're not doing that right now. I
1: agree completely. There's really no bench. I mean, the problem is, that, again, Maryland's going to struggle in the Big Ten tournament without a real big man. If you're having, you know, Dante Scott play the five, it's, that's going to be difficult against some of the dominant big men that the Big Ten offers, you know, Luca Garza and all those other people. Kofi Coburn, because because currently if the tournament were to, the Big Ten tournament were to start today, Maryland would finish as the seven seed as the number seven seed, and they would be playing Indiana, number ten. If they won that, they'd play the number two seeded, uh, fighting Illini, and Maryland did beat Illinois on the road uh, in December, I believe. I think it was December. And they won that game when no one was expecting them to, another top ten matchup on the road that they won, which was surprising to everybody, pretty much but I don't know if they're going to do it again, and especially after Illinois beat you know Michigan, and where no one expected that, I don't know how Maryland would would face in a rematch. And I'm nervous for it, but I hope they can you know beat Indiana, where they also should have won that game when they played them at Indiana in Bloomington. They they lost that one too, so uh, it, it'll be difficult. I mean, the Terps got to finish here on a high note. If they, they don't beat Penn State, they'll have even less morale going into the big 10 tournament and that'll hurt their, you know, March bid. I think they've pretty much solidified themselves as getting a spot for some of their, you know, they beat Wisconsin on the road. They beat uh, Purdue ranked at home that, that when Purdue was ranked then they beat uh, like we just talked about Illinois on the road, they've got some good wins. They beat a, a Michigan state team out. They beat them out the gym after Michigan state, you know, Beat Ohio State, so so they got some. some yeah, I mean that's what does quality wins.
0: Head. They have some quality strength of schedule type of wins. You know they were able to beat Illinois, as you mentioned. They were able to beat number six ranked at the time Wisconsin uh, up north, and you know they they've beaten some other quality teams as well. It's just going to be interesting to see you know where will they be positioned.
1: Exactly, and depending what bracket they get into, it can make it very difficult to to go far, but we'll see. And, uh, it'll be interesting, but if, you know, I were a betting man, I, I would put my money on the the women's basketball team to go a little bit farther than the men's team.
0: I, I would definitely, I would definitely agree with that. I think, uh, the woman will probably be going a little deeper into April, uh, in a final four, potentially a national championship, but, You know, basketball kind of has me, you know, thinking about the cold, but it's March now, and it's time to take it outside to the diamond. And I am so pumped because today was opening day for the Maryland Terrapins down in Greenville, South Carolina at Floor Field as they begin a four-game weekend series against their Big Ten rivals, the Michigan State Spartans. And last year, George, actually, the Maryland Terrapins – baseball team they were on a very similar similar path as the maryland men's basketball team as we referenced earlier uh in our show this season maryland was 10 and 5 overall in 7 and 2 at home um highlighted without a doubt by maxwell costas batting 432 with 19 hits and four home runs with a on-base percentage of 620 and slugging at 750 the guy can rake for sure. I can't wait to see where his future takes him into the MLB. But it's going to be really interesting to see this year. The Terps, they're, they are a relatively, relatively older team. Not a lot of youth. So it's going to be interesting. I think they're favored to make a lot of splash, splashy um, highlights this season. But I'm really, really looking to see what they're going to have in their pitching arsenal because they come with heavy arms this season in particular. I'm really, really, really excited to see um, who they got on the diamond this year, especially Sean Burke, who last year threw for a 1.99 ERA, only gave up 15 hits, which sounds crazy. He pitched a little over 21 innings and had 35 strikeouts, and opponents only hit 183 off of him. He was an absolute threat and enemy and thorn and other teams aside for sure. But I think it all comes down to with this team is balance. Are they able to hold other teams to low amount of runs at the same time, being able to score a same amount of runs. And I think that's going to be very indicative this weekend, as we're going to be able to see how they do against another phenomenal big 10 baseball team in the Michigan state Spartans. But overall, I'm looking forward to the fact that baseball's back. We're back out on the diamond. The weather's turning. I'm happy for them that they get to go experience some heat and some sunshine this weekend down in Greenville. I wish I was there, to be honest with you, covering the team. That that, that sounds like a lot better than being in cold Potomac, Maryland. Not, not exactly the same thing. But, you know, I think they're going to have a phenomenal season, and I think that's, you know, where they were headed last year to a potential, you know, NCAA run. But a yeah. side note, though. Yesterday I was watching the Nationals game uh, on Sports Center against the Mets and dude I'm telling you what I saw from uh, Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell oh my god like dude they are, they are a home run wrecking crew I-, I will say initially when we signed them in the offseason, I was thinking like okay nothing wrong with cap we didn't overpay for these guys but you basically just signed a really, really slow outfielder and a really, like, you know, average at best first baseman. I mean, I thought we were trying to kind of, you know, build some youth at that position with Ryan Zimmerman, this probably being potentially, maybe, who knows, his last year as a national in the MLB and he'll retire. But, you know, I don't really know what's going to happen. No one, no one knows. But, I mean, watching them, I was like, are we, like, are we are, are we going World Series bound again? Like you know, I don't know. I don't know.
1: Was that a Nationals home game, or was it up in Vero Beach? It was Vero or, Beach. They were or they not were down. Beach, sorry, um, Port St. Lucie. That's where the Mets play.
0: Yeah, Port St. Port St. Lucie. Yeah, not 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 West Palm. But they were down in um, Port St. Lucie and beat the Mets. But the bottom line is, um, uh, the bottom line is that they were able to really really rake yesterday at the plate against the Mets but I think our division overall has strengthened it's it's gotten a lot a lot a lot better especially I mean for God's sake the Braves are tend to be a thorn that we've we've kind of developed a huge rivalry with them over the years um but they they've done a good job in player development as well um bringing some guys up not to mention just in free agency I know some guys, you know, Julio Tehran, Marcel Zuna, those guys have left. They don't have them anymore. But they brought guys just as good, if not better, in. So they're going to be competitive. For some reason, the Mets, they, uh, they, they, they always seem every year to have the injury bug. I don't know what it is. So I never put money on them. I never put any house money on them. Um, I can't. They, they're too inconsistent. Um, the last, the last time they impressed me was when they had Daniel Murphy and they went to the world series and lost to the Kansas city Royals. Um, and then the Marlins, I mean, how can you put money on that? They, they haven't shown really any, any signs of growth over the past few years. So,
1: and how about our former friend, you know, Bryce up in, uh, in Philly,
0: you just, you, you're talking about the most overpaid athlete in all sports. The nationals offered that man 10 years, $300 million. He said no. Philadelphia then offered him $315 million for 13 years. And he said, yes. What does that tell you about Bryce Harper? How much of a difference? $15 million is we, we literally gave him a deal essentially, essentially for the rest of his career. He could be on our team and you can have, you know, your opinion about Bryce, who he is a guy and as a ball player, it doesn't matter. Those are two separate things, but he is a good enough ball player and he played well enough. He established a great individual fan base when he was in Washington. I saw no reason for him to want to leave. Why? It, it didn't make any sense. He had no credible explanation as to why he wanted to go to Philadelphia. Well,
1: didn't he want to go to a, uh, you know, a world series competitor because the moment he, he, he went to the Phillies, did they win it all that year? Oh, I, I might mean, be a that, little bit confused, but did the
0: Phillies win it? There you go. He wanted out of Washington. Yeah, I want a ring. Now I want to win a World Series. I'm going to sign with the Philadelphia Phillies. What does that tell you? It's all about the coin at the end of the day with these guys. I mean, all of them, they want to go to teams. Most of them. Most of them you can really see when they're being selfless and they actually care about winning and the team mentality and all that jazz. But guys like Bryce Harper, a majority of them around sports, they go for the coin. They want the money. They want to establish themselves as players, as individuals. They kind of throw out the whole team thing. And it just, as the season progresses, if we win a ring, if we make the playoffs, good, good, good. But at the end of the day, I'm okay. You know, financial security, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they got all that stuff. So, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. But at the same time, I think Bryce made a very uh, selfless, poor decision. He could have stayed in Washington, a place he'd been his whole career for a huge amount of money, huge contract extension and he said no for 15 million more dollars. So that's on him because personally I think he went to a much worse organization um, both athletically and in the front office. So I don't really care that much about that decision. That's that's he's locked in for thir- enjoy the next 12 years, Bryce. You know, let's let's see how good that decision really was. And you could take some notes from Mike Rizzo on what he's done over the past three, four, five years. In those years, he not to mention he signed you to an extension. He brought you in, and also, oh yeah, uh, what, what happened in, uh, what happened a few years ago in Houston? Uh, the, there was like, what, what, George? Can you just remind me what happened?
1: I think the Phillies won a won a World Series, right? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I think it was the Nationals. My bad. Get the the two uh, NLEs teams confused.
0: Yeah, yeah, thanks. I was – God, God, I was confused too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The Nationals beat the cheating Houston Astros in seven games when Bryce was at home sitting down and watching the World Series. Maybe he wasn't even watching it. Maybe he was too salty to even watch it. But I don't care. The bottom line is he made a poor, poor, poor decision. Nonetheless, I'm very, 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 you know – satisfied with him and you know what he's done in his career but I'm more satisfied with the Nats and where they're headed because I really like what they did this offseason considering the guy the guys that Rizzo had to get rid of you know they got rid of Michael A. Taylor you know they got rid of uh Sean Doolittle they got rid of Adam Eaton and a plethora of other names um, from the minor system and a few other um on the team that were on the team last year so Nonetheless, I'm really looking forward to the ball season, opening day, April 1, against those New York Mets. I'm really excited. Can't wait. It's going to get warmer out. I'm going to get to watch some baseball again. This, tis the season. Tis the season, my friends. And same goes with the Turps. I can't wait to actually you know, get out there and you know, cover games. You know, It will be very, very fun um, on the Maryland Baseball Network to get to watch this team Um, as they develop, develop into potential, potential champions this year. And you can only cross your fingers that we as fans get to see that. So as we wind down another episode of Turbulence, George, you have a trivia question to answer. And if you need a little more time, I can give you a little more time to ponder over. But the question was as follows. Which former player, coach, and university president gave his name to Maryland's football
1: field? Uh, this one's I'm, – I'm willing to bet 99% I got this one right is Mr. Curly Bird. B-Y-R-D, not B-I-R-D.
0: That, that is 110%
1: correct. And it was Bird Stadium before it was Capital One Stadium. So he was the most recent name on the, uh, on the stadium before they, they changed you know, it. Correct.
0: Was, it. It, was, it was funny. Like, I went over there. I went over there the other uh, – not the other day, uh, last semester – with my grandma and I went over there and she hadn't been over there in a really long time. And we got out of the car because we just wanted to take a walk. Like we wanted to get out of the neighborhood and change its scenery or whatever. And I said, you know, let's go to college park, beautiful campus, beautiful campus. Exactly. It was biggest lawn
1: campus. in the biggest academic lawn in the country. Don't forget exactly. that six exactly. inches bigger than UVA.
0: Yes. Yes. You, you told me that you told me that when I uh, visited, um, when I, in undergrad came home from Denny, those that don't know, Denison University, shout out to the big red Granville, Ohio out there. Yes, sir. But yeah, when I came home uh, with, um, you know, I came over to College Park with her and we were walking, you know, we walked the mall and stuff. And then we came over to Bird Stadium and she saw it and she was like, so is this Bird Stadium? And I hesitated for a second. I was like, wait, do you say Bird Stadium? She's like, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. This, this is Capital One Field. She's, Wait, it's a new. It's a new name now. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. And she told me like she hadn't been over there for years, but when I heard that, I honestly I was gonna use that as a trivia question first semester. But I was like, nah, this this guy's killing me in trivia, and he's gonna get that in about ten seconds. But I was like, you know, today I'm gonna I'm gonna throw him a softball. Let's see if he gets it. Maybe maybe we'll you know uh maybe we'll confuse him. But no, you nailed it, hundred ten percent correct. So that's another dub for George folks. He's four six and one on the trivia. Your boy, he's got two, so he's still trailing in percentage points. But long way to go. Long, long way to go. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Turbulence. I'm your host, Jack White, alongside my partner in crime, George Shalloway. And we will be back on the airwaves next Thursday night to talk Terrapins with you. Take care and have a nice weekend. Bye-bye.